from the Pictures Out There studios. Welcome to the Pictures Out There podcast series with Dave Fogelman and Lee Stewart. Pictures Out There ties the future to the present and is a new approach for vision and action toward a better future. And now, here's Dave and Lee. Welcome to the Pictures Out There podcast series. I'm Lee. And I'm Dave. Welcome back. Nice to speak with you again. Before we begin today's topic about violence, let's briefly review our last segment about our physical selves. You may recall from our discussion during the picture about our physical selves, we tend to judge not only ourselves, but one another on our physical appearances, our physical beings and bodies. And in that podcast, we envisioned a future in which we're absolutely accepting of our physical beauties. We gave ourselves a couple of exercises, one regarding think about an attribute of yourself that you've never particularly been comfortable with. Give it grace, give it blessing, accept it, and do the same for every person that you encounter. That's a reset of the podcast about our physical selves. But today, we have another picture topic for us. Dave, it's about violence. How might we minimize it? How might we end it, eliminate it altogether? Violence almost always leads to more violence, and violence typically escalates over time. There have been thousands of scholarly studies on this topic, and we know this often happens from our own experiences. It takes effort to focus and not to escalate violence. There are so many violent cues in our cultures these days, it's hard to imagine that this simple fact of human nature is not universally understood. All of our human practices and cultural norms are not constructed with this simple fact in mind. This truth, however, really isn't rocket science when you think about it. That's right, Lee, and and typically the cycle takes the form of a violent response that follows from a violent act, retaliation and escalation. So let's do just a little bit of reflection about those two concepts, retaliation and escalation, And as we're asking these questions, we'll pause for a second or two and let you think about uh, what happens in your world and in your experience. Do we ever keep score? Do we keep track of stuff that others have done to us and we want to do the same back to them? How often do we de-escalate in our response to painful and hurtful things that are done to us? How often do we plan our response? Do we plan for de-escalation or a proportionate response or perhaps escalation? And in some of these phrases, you may say, gosh, these sound like things that governments do or that political leaders do. Well, they are. They, they do those things. And, but those concepts happen to each of us individually in our relationships and in our interactions with people. How often do we completely forgive when we are behind in the score. Why don't we discuss the notion of what represents a proportionate response? Lots of times we will go, I have had harm done to me of some form, and and we're in a little bit going to talk about the different forms of violence, and we may calculate, gee, if I'm going to respond proportionately back to that person or whoever it was, whatever entity did that, what would a proportionate response be? 
there's a biblical saying that I think gets us in trouble. You've heard it. It's an eye for an eye, right? I think that has become embedded in most cultures. Uh, that does indeed represent kind of the textbook model of a proportionate response, if you will. But is that really where we want to be? If harm has been done unto me, why should I want to do harm back? Why can I not forgive the harm that was done me and go from there? And I think what's always interesting about that notion, Lee, is... Well, is our expectation that we're going to give a proportionate response back and then the other person or entity gives one back to us and we just keep doing these responses back and forth? Or is one of us going to escalate Mm -hmm. at some point? Or does one of us take it upon ourselves to de-escalate the situation? Absolutely. Okay, so we also have the notion that we'd like to reflect on for a second of standing up for yourself which kind of goes with eye for an eye thing that Lee was talking about. Does it actually feel good and something you want to repeat when you, quote, stand up for yourself? Or does it just give you a sense of relief? So I think that's wrapped around the axle of the concept of courage, okay? Hey, I got to stand up for myself. That's a brave, courageous thing to do. Yes, but sometimes a courageous act is nonviolent, right? Think of Gandhi, think of other nonviolent revolutionaries throughout human history. Sometimes standing up for yourself says this, I'm a worthy individual. I do not need to be treated this way. I will not accept it that you will treat, it that, treat me that way in the future. That is not reaching out or lashing out with additional violence. That's putting your stake in the ground to say, no, you will not treat me this way. Yeah, I, I think both both things lots of times get put under the umbrella of standing up for yourself, and they're very different. Your example that you gave, which is basically, I want to stop the violent cycle that's gotten started, and I want to go ahead and stand up for myself by stopping that cycle and not permitting somebody to be violent to me or by my doing it back. That's very different than... I'm going to go ahead and just respond in kind. Yeah, you had a knife, so I'm going to go get a gun. That's escalation. Where does all of this leave us, these different choices we make, with our own self-image? And where does that leave us with creating trust with other people and in other relationships? Okay, so as we're going through all of this, something to just bear in mind and think about. Once a violent act is committed... It becomes psychologically and emotionally easier and easier for the perpetrator to do another violent act. It insidiously becomes normal over time. The passage of time may sometimes cloud us from seeing this almost inevitable cycle of future violence. Well, I did a harmful thing six months ago and now again today. Does that really represent a pattern? Well, if it happens again six months from now, I would argue yes, and that's worthy of examination. Instead of seeing the connection between violent acts, the passage of time between those acts may make us believe they're unique one-off events, rather than events each controlled by a cycle of violence. Of course, if someone was to believe their act of violence is a final solution to a problem, they may simply want to pretend that that cycle does not exist, or that they are not perpetuating a cycle. Well, even if evidence to the contrary is right in front of our eyes, sometimes we deny that. So violence that we're talking about here today comes in a huge and almost limitless number of forms. So let's talk about just some of those forms of violence here real briefly to just underscore the scope and magnitude of the issue that we're talking about. 
There is personal violence, violence that is done one person to another. And sometimes violence done to oneself. There is domestic violence. Violence that is done between partners from one partner to another. There's war between political nation states. Or groups or, or tribal factions. There is religious violence. And we've talked about that in an earlier podcast or, or alluded to it in terms of we can use our religious beliefs as a starting point for uh, starting a violent cycle with another religious group. There is national violence that can take many forms, including institutionalized bigotry. There is economic violence. So think about the advantages of one group or an individual having more money or more material means than another, and if they choose to use that advantage to uh, take on uh, violence with other people economically. There is environmental violence. Not only harm what we do to the planet, but again, people in certain socioeconomic strata may be living in areas that are prone to more toxicity and things of that nature. So there's a socioeconomic component to even environmental violence. There's verbal violence. So that may be at its most extreme, uh, people yelling, people saying derogatory things to each other. But we'll talk about here in a little bit that Verbal violence comes in many, many forms and is lots of times what kicks off other cycles and more extreme cycles of violence. Obviously, there is physical violence intended to do physical harm to another. And there is social violence. So think of different social groupings that we have and how one group uh, or one alignment can take violence against another. And these forms of violence go on and on. So, is there an alternative to each of these forms of violence? Is there something else that we can do? Is there some other picture of how the world and life could be other than just continuing to live with these forms of violence being in existence? It's a lot easier and better to never have the cycle start than it is to keep turning the other chink again and again. Being violent to each other is something that we either mindlessly or unthinkingly do, or it can be a choice that we knowingly and deliberately make. When we make a choice to be violent, we usually want to choose our weapon to create an advantage for ourselves. We want the other person to either not have a weapon at all, or we want them to choose our preferred weapon. We know we are more likely to win in a fight. We don't usually uh, just decide to go into a fight or a situation where we know we're going to start a violent cycle or perpetuate it by setting ourselves up to lose. We try to set ourselves up to win. And so uh, we're going to describe a picture of a world of uh, minimizing violence. We're going to be doing that in our next podcast, but we're doing some setup this week. And so one of the things we'd like to do is, is though, share an image, again, a visual, that we think describes our violence with one another and where it ultimately leaves all of us. We are all floating in the ocean of life, treading water. We do live in a water world, after all. Here in the ocean of life, we may begin to interact with others without doing harm to one another. Maybe the cycle begins when another person occasionally and or obnoxiously 
splashes us. We've probably all been in that situation. We've probably all been in a pool when someone starts doing that. We probably all had people do that to us in the pool of life. We may choose to just take it or to try to ignore it, or we may choose to stand up for ourselves and return the splash, maybe even with just a bit more force. And so it begins there in the ocean of life. If the cycle escalates, we may splash even harder or begin to push each other. The more violent ones of us may even try to climb on top of other people. Typically, other people are just floating there in the ocean of life with us, minding their own business, and trying to tread water or stay comfortably afloat. When we instigate violence, or when others instigate violence to us in the ocean of life, a violent act can only create these outcomes. We may just keep splashing water at each other over and over again. That's not very fun. Or things may really escalate if we try to fight or compete and climb on top of each other. Violence is ultimately a way of trying to climb on top of someone else who is just floating in the ocean of life with us. One of us may succeed in getting on top of the other. When that happens, and it is we who are on top, for a brief moment we are lifted higher on top of the struggling body beneath us. Until that body beneath us stops struggling, stops moving, and becomes dead weight, and slowly sinks into the depths of the ocean. And then guess what? We are right back where we began, floating in the ocean, no better off than we were before. Ah, but things have actually changed. Now, we have a taste for violence, the taste of blood in our mouth. In response, we'll say, but it was him or me. We may look for the next foe, or sucker, to vanquish, to feed this new taste for violence and our increasing comfort with being violent, or to try and forget our guilty conscience. So Lee, with that image in mind, uh, it's, I think, a good time for us to all kind of reflect on um, our own experiences in life and how satisfying or dissatisfying revenge was or retaliation was. Even if it feels momentarily satisfying, does it feel like we all lose? Did we really come out a winner? Do we feel clean or do we feel a little dirty? Uh, We do to someone else what we hated getting done to us. And I, I think as I look back on my own experiences, it's what you were alluding to earlier. Standing up for yourself where I basically stopped the cycle of violence from continuing by defending myself that feels wonderful. Those situations where I know that I didn't really do that and I retaliated or I even escalated a situation, I'm not proud of myself. That's an excellent illustration. In my past, I am fortunate to report I've never been the victim of physical violence, but I grew up in a school where there were bullies, just like there are in most schools. So in high school, I was indeed a recurrent victim of verbal violence. I'll never forget the day when I simply held my hand up as though it were a stop sign, and I said something along the lines of, I don't deserve to be treated that way. Stop. It actually stopped the verbal violence. Uh, 
even though that happened 45 years ago, I treasure it to this day. If I had taken a punch at the bully, if I had shoved the bully, I wouldn't feel the same way. I would have lived with that regretfully my whole life. So using that same image of a water world, let's suggest another way, a nonviolent way, that we can make the world better for all of us. We can build floats for one another, help each other enjoy the water, build structures in the water together that keep us from having to tread water all the time, that keep us from struggling all the time, thrashing about. When we're treading water and we get tired, we want to reach out desperately for help to keep from drowning. Now we can help each other learn how to swim, learn how to float, Together, build those structures that help all of us live on the water. So if we do try to build a world where we can all live on the water together, what happens when we fail, when we fall down, when we do commit an act of violence? The harsh word, for example, or perhaps worse. In response to that, we must love. Love does mean saying that you're sorry. Admitting your guilt for violent acts is important. Opening yourself to grieving, to cleanse your own spirit so that it does not become a cycle of violence. But Lee, boys will be boys. Uh, there's always a mean girl stage. And we hear lots of times in, in the business world, it's just business when we commit what I think we would call violent acts to one another under the notion of business. And of course, there's the old, only the strong survive, survival of the fittest, or if you wish, survival of the most violent. But aren't all of those situations where we fall short of what we're truly capable of? Why would we ever accept those as norms or goals for ourselves and others? Those aren't loving ideas. Why would we ever accept them? When these things happen, we really should all immediately say, stop. And Lee gave a great example of that in his story from high school. And then we need to get back to the real basics. Communicate, communicate, communicate. Listen, listen, listen. Forgiveness, always. That may not mean forgetting, but you have to forgive. Even if you can't forget, forgive. No grudges, love. So pay attention this week and identify a situation where you decreased the likelihood of some type of violence happening in a situation. You may do this by either keeping a violent cycle from ever starting or perhaps by de-escalating a situation that you probably would not have de-escalated before. Now doing this may take some extra time and you may be tempted to think you can't afford it in the moment. But ask yourself if you really have anything more important to do in that moment. And sometimes that de-escalation requires a, little, a few seconds of extra thought, a few seconds of cooling down, a few seconds of thinking about the words that are about to come out of your mouth. And so we just want to, uh, all us included, do some reflection on that. Okay, next week we will be sharing our picture of a future that has minimal violence. In anticipation of next week's podcast on that topic, I want to close here with a poem that's called And God That Speaks to Violence. It's been around since the dawn of man, 
Darwin gone all wrong. The one who's not ashamed kills the hero of their song. They hold him high and breathe a sigh, wishing they were he. It started with the caveman, tribe against tribe, may Lee. And God, they called him warrior, statues carved in pride, for the taking of another's life, forsaking what's inside. If Genghis Khan set your home on fire, would you beg and scream for more? If Jack the Ripper came to call, would you let him in your door? Men must have their leaders to tell them what is right. Don't be afraid of fear, they say. There's safety in the fright. Vote me in. I will not bend. They all must be like us. We will prevail. Our guns won't fail if in God we trust. And God, they made him president, dictator, and king. Be the first to make a move is the ruling thing. The people said, let's hire someone to do our dirty work. But when they gave the guns to him, he always went berserk. If Genghis Khan set your home on fire, would you beg and scream for more? If Jack the Ripper came to call, would you let him in your door? President, king, or terrorist, who cares what name they gave? Will we choose a leader to dig an earthly grave? With a canopy of hate and greed, a tomb from the circle's decay, will we finally choose someone to give our choice away? And God, he wouldn't surprise us. He'd choose to use the might. Cities, trees all in the past, blighted from our sight. Fires to forge our Hades home. Brimstone blocks to stack. That can't be our choice. To silence our voice, we must let love attack. And in our next podcast, we will share our own picture of minimizing violence. We will share our picture of the future that can be when we do let love attack every day of our lives and when we truly let love rule over violence. And then we will ask you all, what's your picture? That concludes our podcast for today. Please join us again next time. In the meantime, peace. Thank you for joining our podcast today. For more information about Pictures Out There products, services, and communities, or to contact us, please visit us at picturesoutthere.com or reach out to us on Twitter at the handle at PicsOutThere. You can also find us on Facebook. Please join us for our next podcast. We hope you have the day of your dreams.